This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Not too bad. I like- I'm doing well. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. I have been able to figure out how to get this board up and running, which should help editing tremendously because I can just put the, the theme song in there and everything. But but we did it. Yay! We did it. <laughs> Uh, so, and we also have a studio audience here today. <laughs> They're ready to uh, to laugh at whatever we say. It was funny. I have this app on my phone that I was gonna bring today and just uh, do like sound effects, but uh, you ended up doing. Yeah, I love playing with this machine. It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. We got this from from Road, uh, from Jason Turnbull, the the great man, one of the one of the great men out there. Uh, he sent it along. To us, uh, I did a, a review of it. Uh, you know, you heard it, but I'll probably, I'll probably mention it from time to time about the uh, the great Procaster microphones and the uh, this this fantastic board and all the the stuff that we've uh, we've gotten from Rode. Um, and, and you know, like I said, I mean, I did the review because we got the stuff. But honestly, if the stuff wasn't good, they, they didn't say like you got to give us a good review. If the stuff wasn't good, I would have said. That sucks, but it's literally like the best equipment. I mean, anyone that's listen to anyone that has the the Roadcaster Pro mixer, and I mean they put in they poured research into this, and and years of development to figure out exactly what podcasters needed, and were able to do it. Mike, one of the exciting things about this is I, I might want to hook up a couple interviews uh, coming up here. One that I've told you about, another one that um, that might come through. I'm not sure. But one of the great things about this is it connects to Bluetooth and it has automatic mix minus. So there's no, there's no echo and you'll be able to hear the, you'll be able to hear if we have an interview, you'll be able to hear the person. I'll be able to hear the person. I'll be able to hear both of us. So it's fantastic. Nice. So uh, this week we, uh, we, I don't know what, how does the show go? I forget uh this is our regular show oh yeah that's as right. always uh we'll start off with what's in the news. yeah that's right the news so uh i've heard a couple things uh you know uh news news wise have you have you heard anything so far this week i'm sorry have i have you heard have you do you have any any news for us this week uh, yeah, the uh, unfortunate passing away of uh, Robert Force. Yeah, he was in the movie uh, he we was watched. in the most. Yeah, he was in uh, El Camino, and he was also in one of my favorite movies, Jackie Brown. He plays Max Cherry. Uh, he was in a lot of stuff in the '60s as well. I guess I'm not super knowledgeable about his uh, repertoire, but uh, I'm a big fan of everything I've seen him in. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's fantastic. He was very good in, in Breaking Bad, obviously, and the the El Camino movie. Uh, he played. In case you don't know who he is, he played the disappearer, the uh, Ed. yeah, the the guy that owned the the vacuum store. 
Right. Uh, the other thing I heard that we failed to talk about, for whatever reason, although this kind of came out last week, is that Kevin Feige is going to to do a Star Wars movie, I guess. He's going to produce one of the uh, the new Star Wars films. Cool. <laughs> and uh, he's also gotten a new title. He is going to be, he's taking control of TV and comics for, for Marvel. So I know that that's probably exciting to some people out there. Uh, and, and Mike does not care about it at all. <laughs> um, is that all we have for the news, Mark? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's a light, it's a light week for the news. Plus I was, uh, I was figuring out how to get my new toy to, uh, to run. So, you know, both those things took up some time. Sure. Uh, but now we will move on to educating Mike. This is where we plumb the depths of the celebrity gossip column and look educating for... Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keeping current with Mike. Educating Mike <laughs> is some, some piece of shit uh, segment that we did a long time ago. <laughs> you know, like four episodes ago. All right, we're going to a place that uh, I should have thought of before, but I never did until today. Okay. It's uh, page6.com. Okay. Which is just uh, page6.com. Nice. Our first story is Gina Rodriguez says the N-word in Instagram video. Oh, my God. Okay, well, I don't know who, who Gina Rodriguez is. Yeah, I'm not really sure who she is. Uh, it seems like a bad that that seems like a bad uh, a bad look to use that word. Yeah, as you as you've told me many times, uh, don't record yourself when you say that. <laughs> so Gina Rodriguez is oh she's an actress, uh, and she is it looks like Hispanic. It's important to mention that she is not black. Yeah, she is... Oh, she was on... Okay, so if you've ever seen Jane the Virgin, uh, which I have not. Nope. She was on uh, She was on Jane the Virgin. She is from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, so, you know, she is American. Her ancestry is Puerto Rican. So she is... Uh, she's Puerto Rican. She's, she has... Her heritage is Puerto Rican. Which, you know, either way, she'd be American because Puerto Ricans are Americans. Uh, but yeah, not, not, not a good look at all. Does no. So I know that there are people that have the pass to use that, what that word that there are, there are white people that get the N word pass. I'm guessing she's not one of them. Yeah, I guess not. I don't know. I don't know. Does anybody really have a pass anymore? I mean, if they ever really. I don't know. I, I guess I, I I would defer to the black community because I, I don't know. Qu- Quentin Tarantino, I guess, in his own mind. Yeah, in his own mind for sure. <laughs> like un- uncomfortably so, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't say it on right. his lawn. I'll tell you that much. Right. Our uh, next headline is Miranda Kerr and Evan Spiegel welcomes. Who do they welcome? Their son, Miles. Oh, okay. Miranda, Miranda Kerr. Kerr. She's like a model. She used to date uh, Orlando Blo- uh, Bloom. She's uh, pretty attractive. 
And Evan Spiegel is uh, the guy from Snatch. The guy from Snatch? Is she Sean Kerr's uh, or Steve Kerr's uh, daughter or something? I don't think so. She doesn't look like a freak. (laughs) Oh, she's Australian. Okay, so we have some listeners in Australia. Shout out to uh, Australia. I will not torture you with a horrible Australian accent. Now, a, a, um, an accent of the, the Norse gods we, we would give you, but, but not a, uh, yeah, not, uh, not that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. She began modeling when she was 13, uh, winning the 1997 Dolly magazine's, uh, search competition. Well, good for her. I think she got some free Vegemite for that. Yes. <laughs> oh, Evan Spiegel is not an attractive And a tour of, uh. A tour of Yahoo Sirius's childhood home. Oh, <laughs> uh, I remember uh, he was on, he was, uh, he did a commercial for MTV and he started out by saying Yahoo and I'm serious. And it was, it was terrible. It was maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Do you remember um, the uh, the commercials he did for the Australia Board of Tourism? And like it was like, when it's winter here, it's summer there. When it's summer here, it's winter there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ugh. So this dude. Our must next. Have, uh, this dude must have a lot of money because he's. I mean, he's not an ugly guy. I'm. So I'm not. I don't he, wanna... he owns Snapchat. Oh, I mean, okay. yeah, he's he's like a million, a, like in the tens of millions, if not, uh, you know, a billionaire. Oh, he was named the youngest billionaire in the world in 2015, so you are right up on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean I'm sure that had no factor into this. I mean, you know, she probably just liked him and then like, oh shit, he also works and owns uh, Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, she just thought he was a bum, but she, she loved his soul. <laughs> right. He's not a terrible looking guy, but he's... He's a very normal, average looking guy. And as you mentioned... She is a you know fairly attractive woman. Yeah, she's the rare model that's attractive. Exactly. Agreed. Mike and I are, are in lockstep with that. There are not there are not a lot of them. Uh, unfortunately, I guess whatever body type you need to have that clothes look best on you is not a body type that I am personally attracted to. Not to say that those women are are you know worthless or anything like that. It's just it's just type. Mike and I have a similar type as far as women go and it's typically not models. It's not that. Correct. Our next story, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. allegedly told a woman to quote, sit on my face, pee in my mouth. Holy shit. Oh, so he said pee on me. Okay. No, in my mouth specifically. A little traffic Tony P action going on there. Uh, that's a deep cut. Um, so, wow. I mean, I guess what's the context of him saying this? Because, you know, I mean, that's not, that's not necessarily bad if, uh, if, um, you know, it's consensual. Yeah, I know he's like, in, uh, like he's, I don't know, he's like been charged with like sexual assault. I don't know if it's related to that or not. Oh, okay. I haven't really followed this story that much because I don't really care about Cuba Gooding Jr. or Sr., Omar Gooding, yeah, I'd be all over that one, but uh, this is neither of the Goodings that I prefer. And by of, I mean... Yeah. (laughs) 
So according to this, he's pled guilty to sexual abuse. Uh, indictment includes 12 other allegations. That's that's not good. I wonder if that's from the same occurrence or different people or what. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 12 allegations. Cuban denies all these allegations. This is a typical scenario in which random people come out of the woodwork to accuse a celebrity who has already been charged. They have no credibility because Cuba was not charged with any of those allegations. I mean, I guess. I like how, I like how they say that, but every celebrity recently that's been like charged and like people that come out of the woodwork, it's all like held up to, you know, it's all held up. Like Harvey Weinstein, uh, mm-hmm. what's his name? Um, the, uh, the guy who killed himself, quote unquote, Jeffrey Epstein, you know? Oh, yeah, that fuck. All these... People, I mean, the charges have been substantiated. So that that's like a terrible argument. Yeah, it's it's really it's. So I don't know if anyone's ever. This is a legal term that's actually used honestly. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the phrase uh, "damning with faint praise," which is where you you're like, oh yeah, he's he's a good guy, and it's you can tell that you know you think he's a piece of shit. Uh, this is the opposite of that, which is praising with uh, faint damnation. Which basically means they when they're when they're arguing when they're not arguing the facts they're arguing you know things around the facts then it's like well if you can't argue the facts then the facts are probably against you so they're not saying you know basically they're saying like you said you know the oh these women just come out of the woodwork they're just liars or or whatever and that's a really horrible argument because I don't know what the current statistics are. But I know that, I know that the the quote unquote false allegation, obviously they do happen sometimes, and there's been a couple high profile cases over the last thirty years. But it's rare. Most of the time, if a woman's coming forward saying that she was sexually assaulted, she's telling the truth. And you know, I think that's you know, I'm not necessarily in the the believe all women camper or, or anything like that. But, you know, sexual abuse is a problem, a big problem in society uh, that, you know, we should all be against. And for the most part, women are telling the truth when it comes to to court of law stuff, you know, then then, you know, you need to to weigh the evidence. But another misnomer is that is that a woman testifying to what happened is not evidence or it's, it's, you know, it's circumstantial evidence and stuff like that, which it is. It's not hard evidence, but. Circumstantial evidence is not bad evidence. It's just circumstantial evidence. So, you know, it's like the, people have these misnomers about things. That's enough. You know, someone, a woman's testimony, if it's deemed credible, is enough to, you know, to prove. Which it, it should be because, you know, in many cases you don't have anything else. So I don't know Cuba Gooding Jr.'s story. Like you, like you said, I, you, Ivan, you, you haven't been following it. I haven't been following it, so I'm not going to pass judgment on it. But it's it's a bad sign if, you know, 12, 13 people are coming out saying you did this shit. It's really not a good sign. Right. It's uh, not, not a good indication. No, not at all. Uh, we got anything else here? Uh, no, that's all I have this week for keeping current and educating Mike. <laughs> so we've kept current and we've gotten educated uh, about celebrities and their shitty lives. Uh, now we're going to move on to the parents guide game. Uh, for those of you who are new, uh, what are you doing here? But no, no, we, we love new, we love new listeners. Come in, come in new listeners. 
get acclimated to the uh, to the show. But uh, we this is where we we go through. Mike and I each pick a movie. We read clues to each other uh, about the movie from the parents' guide on IMDb, and then see how many it takes to get it right. We never keep track officially, but I think both of us keep track spiritually and you know and on a piece of paper or whatever or maybe mike just remembers exactly mike's got a good memory so i'm gonna go first mike uh i'm gonna start with uh sex and nudity here oh you know what uh in future weeks i'm gonna i'm going to to program in some thinking music for this segment because i think uh that that will play well uh, maybe we can. There you go. Maybe we can figure out which kind of thinking music we want to use. But anyway, uh, so the first one here under sex and nudity is no sex or nudity, although there are sex jokes and talk of it. Huh. Charles in charge of the movie. No, no, that's not it. Although, well, no, it's not Charles in charge. It's who's the boss, I guess. But that you ever seen that Tony Danza movie? She's out of control. Uh, no. <laughs> it's so terrible. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, okay, so uh, next one here. Let me go to violence and gore. <clears throat> Let's see. During the during the scene in a lunch hall. Uh, somebody slaps another character across the face and tells him to shut up. Zapped. No. <laughs> Although, I guess if there was a Charles in charge of the movie, I guess it would be zapped. All right. Uh, let's see. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. One of the characters has been drinking and driving. Teen Wolf. No. Let's go with profanity. Uh, I'll read several of the profanities. Uh, A use of ass. (laughs) I love that phrase. A use of ass. Like, like you know, I've used an ass before. Uh, Have you, Mark? One use of asshole. Uh... Here's here's a callback. Uh, Foster Brooks <laughs> was looking to use an ass in that uh, episode of Small Wonder. That's probably true. Uh, one use of asshole. Uh, some uses of shit, including a couple of holy shit. Several dams. Many hells. <laughs> some uses of bastard and son of a bitch. Some uses of Jesus as exclamations. Uh, and then there's there's one more. Uh, the word spook is used by a white character against a black character. This term has racist connotations, which may be offensive for some viewers. You think? You think the word yeah, spook has racist connotations? Um, A time to kill. No. All right, let's go with more. No, I want to do sex and nudity again. I think there's more good ones in there. All right. Uh, One of the main characters takes off her cardigan, and she's wearing a dress 
with revealed shoulders and collarbone. <laughs> That's under sex hmm. and nudity. Idle hands. Yeah. Although that's, that's a, I like that movie. Um, uh, the main character's father is shown as a window peeper in his youth. Oh, uh, Back to the Future? Correct. <laughs> so many of these begin with Marty and Biff shit. Oh, man. At age 17, Lorraine drinks alcohol and starts to smoke a cigarette but she is stopped on both occasions by Marty. He takes a sip of the alcohol, but then spits it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, good one, good one. Oh, all right, I'm ready for mine. This movie has a lot of suspense in it. That was, that was a cheer for you what? winning. Sorry, that was a cheer for you winning. I was late on that one. Oh, uh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> this movie has a lot of... Okay, a lot of suspense in it, including some music, and it is really... It's really what? Weird and... The Exorcist. No, this clue kind of reminds us of our dumpster diving. A vagrant sexually attacks... (laughs) Wait, a vagrant sexually attacks what? A woman. Oh, okay. Um, it... No. Alright. One of the characters sneaks up and kills a few different people in very unsettling ways. Hmm. Sneaks up and kills a few different people in unsettling ways. Hmm. That's supposed to be crickets, but that does not sound like crickets to me. Um, hmm. It sounds like you need to go to a mechanic. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Oil can. Um, Oh, the Wizard of Oz. No. Any of that happened in the Wizard of Oz? A, a woman is killed by being hit by a hammer, then falling out a window onto a... Holy shit. Uh... Halloween? No. Alright. This is a weird sentence. Uh, a man is exploded when his house catches on fire. Holy shit. A man is exploded when his house catches on fire. Okay, so we got... Exploded. A house catching on fire. Some woman's hit in the head with a hammer and dies. Hmm. I mean, obviously it's like a horror movie or something. Lots of people are getting killed here. Uh, Friday the 13th, part four. Was that it? No. Oh, okay. That's sad. When one of the characters gets shot in the heart, blood splatters on... Okay. Someone's getting shot in the heart. Huh. Very bad things? No. Alright. When one of the characters is shot, he is blown to pieces and can still move and talk. Oh, okay. Well, it's a zombie movie then. So, Return of the Living Dead? No. Hmm. Okay, 28 days later. Compared to its sequel... No. Yeah. Compared to its sequels, this one is relatively tame and... All right, 
compared to its sequels, this one's relatively tame. Several sequels. And I mean, there's there's a supernatural element here going on here. Getting shot, being blown up, and you can fucking talk. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe it's not a zombie movie, but it could be just one of those supernatural dudes. But it's not Freddy, I guess. I mean, that doesn't happen in Freddy. I don't, I don't think there's no. ever anyone where he gets shot. And it's not Michael Myers and it's not Jason. It and I'll say you don't have to say a, you don't have to say a specific like volume in the you know series like you don't have to say Friday the Thirteenth Part Six or Saw. No. Hmm. Shit. Uh, oh, Hellraiser. I didn't hear that, but I think that was three no. uses of fuck. Okay. That was a no. Three uses of fuck. Leprechaun. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Leprechaun. No. Right. You're getting closer, though. Child's Play? A character continues attacking after being horribly charred. Child's Play. Yes. Oh, yay! I'm trying to remember who got blown up but could still talk. Oh, I remember... Chucky. I, oh, yeah, that's true. I remember the... So... I assume that this is the original Child's Play, the first one. It is. Yeah, I remember the scene where the guy's in the house and his house catches on fire. He blows up and shit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, makes sense. All right, nice. I like that one. I don't remember anything about the movie. I remember a little bit about I mean, I, I honestly, I saw it in the theater. I think it came out in like 87, 88. So I was like, like nine years old and I saw it in the theater. Uh, that's that was the '80s for you, uh, but anyway. So, our main topic tonight, or the you know the thing we we came here to talk to you about, is uh, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? <laughs> uh, no, we 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 watched something, Mike. I watched El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. Did you watch El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie? I also watched uh, El Camino, the Breaking Bad. Yeah, what's it called? El Camino, a Breaking Bad story or something like that? A Star Wars story? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know, something like that. Um What were what what did, what did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you think of it? Yeah, I did like it. I mean, it was essentially just an extra long uh like very long actually. I think it was almost 2 hours. Yeah. So it was like three episode length of uh, break. Yeah, it was. It did. It did feel like a long episode for sure. I mean, it had stuff that I thought was interesting. I mean, it was like I didn't think there were any bad scenes in it. The uh, the acting was great. I mean, some of the people didn't look the same anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was the acting was really good. I thought. Yeah. Um, it was basically what happens to Jesse after he escapes the uh, white supremacy compound at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Todd did not look the same. Todd's put on some weight noticeably. Yes, yeah. But that's for a role. I, I heard that's for Fargo. So. Fargo was uh, like five years ago when he played that role. So if so, he's no longer on the show. Okay. I mean, he did get heavier for Fargo. I don't know if that was intentional or not. I mean, that was a while ago. There, That was like season two of Fargo. They're 
about to do season four, and I think that's like there's been like a year delay or more on like two seasons. So yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, maybe he's just had a hard time taking it off. I guess I don't know. So somebody told me that. I guess they were they were wrong. Maybe it's for another role. I don't know. But it may have been for Fargo, but like I said, that was a while ago. However, when he was on that episode of um, uh, Black Mirror, he wasn't like that heavy. So maybe he is putting on for a role. I don't know. Yeah, he was a little heavy, but not that heavy. I agree. Um, and not that he's hugely fat or anything. He's just he was very trim in Breaking Bad, and he's he's noticeably heavier. He's like a person who has a like a face that when like you gain weight, it's super noticeable in your face. Like Absolutely. that that's his. I mean, he's not like ridiculously large or anything, but like he, I think he just happens to like catch fat in his face pretty well, and uh, it's pretty noticeable. But I mean, I was able to. I mean, no one looks the same. Jesse, he doesn't look the same. You know. Yeah, it's not a big deal. What did you uh, think about? So I re- I liked it. I I liked. So I I have mixed feelings on it. I I thought the like you said I thought the acting was really good. I thought the writing was good. It was up to snuff uh, for Breaking Bad standards. There were some things in it that I thought were interesting. We got uh, a little more expansion of sort of the periphery of this world. Uh, we got to see a little more. We got to see a lot more about Todd than than I than I thought we were going to get to see. Um, yeah, and- there was a nice uh, part of the beginning where uh, Skinny Pete and Badger show up, and uh, you know, Jesse like they they he basically goes to their house because yeah. like that's the only place he can think of to go. And they like you know he's like in a horrible state. They uh, you know kind of clean him up, uh, give him some space, and then um, they actually call a uh, past interview guest of ours. Uh, Yep, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Mr. Hankin here is uh, is in is in the movie Larry Hankin, which we he said he basically said to us this movie's happening. Now we couldn't say anything. He he was under, and he didn't specifically tell us this, but he was under a you know a, a what what's it called? Um, NDA. Yeah, yeah, in a, yeah. Non disclosure agreement, and but he said to us, "I'm in a movie." I can't tell you what it is. It comes out in October. And this was a while ago. So they knew they were dropping this on in October for a long time. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, he, he was in it, but real quick, I just want to say that the, the problem that I have with the movie, cause everything about it's great. It's well filmed. Cinematography's great. You know, I like the characterization. I like the acting. The only problem that I really have with the movie is, is it necessary? Did, did we need it? I like, I, I watched it and I was like, that was cool. And I like being in this world, but I didn't really get anything out of it. You know, when he left that compound, like all screaming and shit like that, my thought process was he's going to go to Alaska. Cause he mentioned Alaska before and you know, spoilers for this movie. It's exactly what he does. He goes to, goes to Alaska. Um, you know, so that's the only, that was the only problem I had with it. But would I would I rather have a kind of meaningless, not really necessary, incredibly well made thing than some hunk of crap? Uh, you know, that somebody's gonna put out. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather Vince Gilligan make something that doesn't really matter that much in the grand scheme of the story, but is still really good. And it's 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 just it really is good to be in this world again. It's nice to see the same characters, you know. I mean, the all the performances are great in this, uh, especially Badger and Skinny Pete. I really like seeing those two like kind of interact with each other again. Yep, 
Yeah, um, like I said, Todd, uh, Jesse Plemons does a great job as Todd. I mean, Todd, just like the more you see, Todd's like a, a, a onion that's rotted to the core. Like the more layers you peel away, the darker he gets. Like he just like is so casual about killing things and violence and that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. back at Breaking Bad, you know, when he just shot like Brock's mother in the face, like he, he has no qualms about anything. He's, he says he's sorry. He might even be sorry, but he just he just has no it's kind of funny because amongst a group of uh, neo-nazis the uh the most frightening one of them all is the uh the nicest one of them all yeah and and that's the thing like you said i he's this jesse Plemons is a, a fantastic actor and i really love the way he plays this character uh you know i think a lot of it is on the page because vince vince gilligan's a really good writer but i think i don't think there's not a, there's not many actors I, I think that could play this as well as he plays it and he's really good at playing a guy that's clearly some sort of sociopath not completely because I know he does there there are things where you can see he has emotions so he's not completely emotionless but he's some sort of psychopath um but also you just see like Jesse Plemons like plays a detached part of his personality so well like mm-hmm. he just like is so casual and like he has no inflection like when he talks about like the grisliest of crimes yeah but he's uh, but he's like you said he's also like kind of a nice guy <laughs> like he's he's one of those people that's and it's probably from practice I guess of of you know socializing with people but he's got the like social niceties and everything down super well Right, yeah, because we discover that uh, he actually took Jesse out of the cage while the, uh, and this this part was kind of hilarious to me, I guess the uh, neo-Nazis bought a boat, and they're going water skiing? Yeah, I want to see, I, yeah. I want him to make a movie that's just like, basically like a, a weekend at Bernie's comedy or something of the neo-Nazis on, on the lake. Yeah, no, I want it to be like the, uh, like the old camp, like, oh, they're trying to buy up the camp, but if we do this by this side... <laughs> Yeah, Uncle Jack's got to. Uh, he's like, now, now a lot of white, a lot of white kids go to this camp. It's a, it's a respite from those, uh, those N words. Oh no, no, they'll be the bad guys. Like it'll be like, like a bunch of like uh, oh, okay. preteens like at like day camp. Like all oh, these mean guys are trying to buy us out. <laughs> it's like neo Nazis. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! I would love to see that. I would also honestly love to see. I'd even watch a whole show of like not even just a like another spin-off movie i'd watch a whole show of badger and skinny pete i fucking love them right, they're they're hilarious like i mean it was fun when they had combo in the group as well but yeah those two play off each other so well mm-hmm. both the actors are you know amazing in this I, I love seeing them on screen again it's been nice you know since you know they've been gone since we last saw breaking bad um and so it starts off Jesse is like on the you know he's still on the road and like he, the police are essentially coming for him right there, mm-hmm. um so he kind of pulls off to the side of the road and like you know bends over, um and then they, he shows up at their house they clean him up and they're watching the news and it, basically the whole story is out there um they think he's a person of interest which almost always in real life means a suspect right and like this massacre that happened between the uh, Heisenberg who just vanished for like six months just was not seen then he shows back up here and I think it's ten people are killed total including him. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. One thing that I love about this too is if you notice, so they, they, you know, they talk about Star Trek a lot. They talk about, you know, sci-fi. They're playing that video game when he first shows up. And if you notice the chairs that they have are modeled after the, like Captain Kirk's Star Trek, uh, like chairs on the bridge. 
I, oh, I, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's a nice little touch, and there's, like, some Star Trek memorabilia in the background and everything. So, really, it's just, it's those little things like that that show that they really pay attention to characters and and make stuff believable, even stuff that, like, a lot of people don't notice. Because, honestly, I don't, like, I, I, I read a couple articles about Easter egg stuff. I did notice the chairs, but I didn't really notice the stuff in the background. And there's other stuff I'll talk about later, Easter eggy things, because there's a lot of Easter eggs in here that I didn't really notice. Um, I noticed some of them. I didn't notice other ones. But, you know, stuff like that that most people are not going to notice or a lot of people don't notice that they put in the background. It's I, I love the attention to detail that Vince Gilligan, it, it shows he really cares about the quality, the characters, and, and he puts all of that into the show, and it really makes a difference. Yeah, that's always been, like, a, you know, a hallmark since Breaking Bad. And there's another actually good part of that um in this episode, because when Jesse, when they give him like clothes and that kind of stuff, because you know they they're gonna trying to help him go on the run, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then uh, when Mister Hankin shows up, he uh, he does like a sweep in the car. He goes, "Yeah, I'll take care of this for free," because you know everybody has heard at this point, you know, how he was kept in a cage for months at a time and tortured daily. So even the really uh, cold-hearted, uh, you know, I forget his name, Joe. I Joe, think. Yeah, that's right. Even he, like, he's like, "Yeah, I'll give you a free one for old time's sake." And then he's scanning the car, and suddenly his like uh, his sensor box i guess goes off and he goes oh low jack's been activated on this i'm going right now and he just runs as fast as he can which isn't very fast at all and kind of funny in a way yeah um but he gets to his tow truck and he just tears off telling jesse you know sorry but you got to go they're you know they're coming for you yep yeah and then i love how you know jesse wants so jesse's gonna take the car he's gonna get out of here you know he apologizes to skinny pete because he knows that cops are gonna come here he doesn't want to get them involved and I love it because they're it re- like you see a lot about their characters here. So again, like in very subtle ways, you get a look at their characters throughout the series, and you get more of a look at their characters here. It's like they're you know they're really they're always they've always been very loyal to Jesse. They're they're really good guys, and they're not total morons. Like they could easily be cliches, and they're but they're not written like cliches, and. You know, Skinny Pete comes up with this plan on the fly, which is a really, it's a really good plan. You know, it's like, you know, Badger, you take, you take uh, the El Camino, you drive it to, you know, like towards Mexico. And he asks Jesse, are, are you thinking of going to Mexico? And he's like, no. And he's like, okay, drive it, you know, over there. Um, you know, you no, ex- no, actually he, he told Badger to take the Fiero. No, I think he Because t- Skinny Pete ended up ultimately with the El Camino. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. He took, that's right. He took, he took Skinny Pete's car. That's right, because they've got Lojack on that, so that wouldn't have worked. Uh, yeah, he takes Skinny Pete's car. Skinny Pete's keeping the Al Camino, and Jesse's taking Badger's car. And he says, "You know, I'll just tell him you can't. You came over here. We swapped pink slips, so you've got my car now." And they've and they've got you know they're throwing the the feds off the track at the same time. And he's basically like, "Look, I, I can I can um, hold out for three hours, Badger. So you got like three hours. Get this car." you know, over by Mexico, hitch back here. I'll, I'll hold him at bay for three right. hours. It's a really good, they both, it's a really good plan. Yeah, on the fly especially, mm-hmm. because uh, they know that Jesse will, you know, will think he's going to Mexico when he's, you know, got a good lead. You know, they're his best chance he really has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because what he's, you know, as a person of interest, he's probably, like, you know, subject to, like, a nationwide manhunt at this point. Yeah, for sure. He, he starts Another uh, really neat, bad- like you said earlier, he starts out with a really bad wig, by the way, <laughs> like that, uh, the, the wig that they've got him in before he quote unquote shaves his head, uh, 
it's it's a it's a noticeable. Well, I wouldn't say really bad, but it's it's a noticeable wig. I, I've got good w- wig dar. <laughs> but yeah, another nice little touch here is uh, they both like pull out like a wad of cash that they mm-hmm. they hand over to him when he flees. Yep, and that's uh, actually what they receive from uh, Walter and the. Very last episode of Breaking Bad, which takes place not like a day before this, yep. when they pretend to be Hitman, he hands them both like a stack of cash. Yep, and that's that's one of the things that I read in the Easter egg things that I probably should have just thought about myself, but I just I don't know I didn't put a lot of thought in it. I like I just thought, oh, you know, they're giving them the money they've got, and I figured, well, they were in the drug trade and shit they've got, but they really weren't that much. But I was like, they've got money, but yeah, uh, when I read that, I was like, oh, of course, yeah, that's the money that. That Walter gave them, and that's you know that's another thing too, where they're just you know they love Jesse. They're a lot of a lot of this about the beginning is very Jesusy. This is this is like his resurrection. He's back from the dead. He's got you know wounds on his back from from being whipped. So he's got you know some like stigmata if you want to call it that. It's not on his hands, but you know like he's got those those kind of wounds. They, you know, both Badger and Skinny Pete say like, you know, oh, like you're, you're our hero. We look up to you. They look at him as like, you know, this, this otherworldly, like they were his disciples kind of, kind of thing. So there's a lot of, it's not overt and I don't think it's meant to be religious, but I think it's just meant as a metaphorical, like this is the beginning of his rebirth kind of. Um, So there's a lot of that at the beginning. Yeah, so he shows up uh, and he um, he gets in the uh, you know the uh, Fiero. I, no, he took the third car, which was like a garbage car. Yeah. Um, but he actually uh, he, he heads right to uh, Jesse's old place, and then we kind of flash back and see that um, he showed up there. Uh, uh, Jess, or I'm not not Jesse. Sorry, Todd. Jesse Plemons. Uh, but Jesse's Todd. the actor, of course. Yeah. But yeah, while the uh, while the Nazis are skiing on their ski trip, uh, Todd <laughs> takes a. Jesse back. He basically kind of arranges because he needs Jesse's help. He takes him back to his house, and uh, there's a dead woman in the middle of his uh, kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is inner interspersed. If you haven't seen the movie, I mean, obviously, if you haven't seen the movie, you should probably watch it before we spoil everything about it. But uh, but this is interspersed with flashbacks. Uh, you know, each time he goes to some place, uh, well, not each time he goes to some place new, but you know, throughout the throughout the, I keep keep wanting to call it an episode because it really does feel like a like one long episode. Uh, but throughout the movie, he, every time he kind of gets, well, every time it's relevant, we flash back and we get a little more information. So yeah, he got, he got let out by Todd. Todd brought him to his house and there's a dead woman <laughs> there, which the camera, you know, slowly reveals. One of the things that I forgot almost about this show is how well Vince Gilligan handles tension. Like Vince Gilligan is is an expert at being able to to slowly introduce and then ratchet up tension. Sure, uh, but yeah, yeah. because like at first, like you see, like uh, Jesse reacted. We don't quite see what it is, and mm-hmm. then we kind of cut back and oh look, there's a dead lady. Yeah, and he's like, he Todd says, "Don't I don't even want to talk about. It. I don't want to get into it." It's like he could he could be talking about like. A a broken bowl of Cheerios or something like 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 just a shattered bowl of Cheerios in the ground where he's like I don't even want to talk about this damn heaven like he he's so casual about it but it's just a dead human being. 
Yeah, and then Todd explains that it was his cleaning woman, and he keeps going on about how she was such a nice lady, and he feels so bad about it. Yeah. Um, but then, like, we see there's a uh, encyclopedia volume on his uh, table, or not a table, on the counter in his kitchen, and Jesse, he tells Jesse to look at it. It's basically how it out, and Todd says, he goes, I finally found a good use for these encyclopedias. <laughs> he held out, like, all the volumes and put, just, he stores his cash in there, because, you know, being in the, he probably got, like, a, I'm sure he got, like, some money out of the barrels that his uncle took. You know, he probably got, like, a million plus from that alone. I mean, he just has tons and tons of money. That And so this is Jesse. Like, he flashes back to that. So he's going into the apartment to try and find where he hid the money. Because Todd says, yeah, I'm going to find another place for it. It might need a little bit of engineering, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. And then Je- Jesse goes in, and all the, all, the, um, all the books are just empty off the shelf and hollowed out. Mm-hmm. So he decides to just do a very thorough search. See, I thought... I don't know how you would have thought that, you know, maybe the feds didn't come and already take the money or the police or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that would be that would be my thoughts. But I think he's basically because we know, like, eventually we figure out what his plan is. His plan is to is to use, uh, you know, the late to disappear and uh, and get away um, because that's all he knows what to do, which makes sense. Uh, so I think he's basically just desperate. He's like, I need a lot of money right now uh in order to yeah, because it's uh i think it's one hundred twenty-five thousand. yeah to uh go ahead and use i guess service yeah so he knows he needs a lot of money right now he knows todd had a lot of money so i think it's just a hail mary it's like his only his only plan so yeah like you said there's i like the montage too it's it's another thing that that breaking bad does really well is is the the montage and they always they always manage to to make it interesting and, and different yeah, and Jesse just tears this place apart. He's ripping the uh, wallpaper off the walls. He's just just messing the whole place up. And then um, also, he kind of had to sneak by this like older gentleman who was like just kind of like snooping around, sort of. Yep. Yeah, a neighbor. So, yeah. So he's in the apartment, and then all of a sudden, like uh, he hears like the door opening, and it's the police have come back, and they're talking to this nosy neighbor who's going on about oh that that todd guy he wasn't a good person after all like, you know, he gets like a really weird like i think it's like a letter he wrote him or something but yeah. he really doesn't have a good reason as to why he was bad though we of course know that todd really was a terrible person yeah exactly but this guy also just comes off like a dick it's it's so funny like i love the way that breaking bad is able to take normal people and just be like well yeah i mean these are a bunch of meth dealers and murderers here and stuff but this guy's like an asshole right <laughs> yeah 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 very good at that so he's talking to the police and Jesse's in there like, you know, freaking out because the police show up. But then right like when they show and he kind of realizes, oh, shit, like there's something off about this fridge. And then he sees there's a seam in it and uh, sure enough, a big wad of bills kind of tumbles out of it right as the uh, police come through the door. Yeah. So he goes and hides and they the guys split up, the police officers split up and and uh, one goes to the back room and then one starts the front. And they're supposed to meet at the middle uh, in the back room, by the way is the Drew Sharp's uh, uh, tarantula that uh, Todd took from him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a nice creepy detail. Like, he just, like, after he just shoots his kid in cold blood, he just keeps his tarantula as a pet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's weird because th- there's also these very odd and very disturbing to me um, handmade snow globes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what those were. Yeah, they were they were very strange. Todd's a Todd's an odd person for sure. I'm thinking that they might be like trophies 
of so like like I, I, there might be one with like the cleaning lady in it. I'm thinking, but the one that we do see is him looking at Lydia sitting on a coffee cup in some sort of like winter wonderland kind of uh, kind of scene because you know or not a coffee cup a teacup because she likes uh, she liked tea so much. And that's right. And we actually do get a call back to Lydia. There's like one of the news story tells us a uh, woman in Houston is dying of a poison and, you know, she's not expected to survive, which again is a neat detail because he poisoned her not long before he went and got shot up by the uh, water skiing Nazis. Do you think they're exhausted for their ski trip and that's why they couldn't, uh, you know, fight back at <laughs> Yeah, probably like that one. That one stayed on the the uh, the chair the entire time. It is so weird to think that you know, like I don't know how long before they were killed, but not long before they were killed, they were on a ski adventure. That is all I want. I want to see that next. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely. They gotta. They have to write that. Uh, there, there are like some things I want to see based off based off of this. There are a few different things I'd like to see. Like the Nazis just like showed up, like God ah, damn those uh, those poor kids beat us at a volleyball, and now we had to you know give up our aspirations to buy the. Oh my god, that's so awesome! And then one of the guys goes, uh, "Well, you know they're good with money. They knew how to trick us." Oh wow, nice. I'm not saying anyone specifically, but Nazis have these crazy opinions. Yeah, yeah, and the kid that they were talking about had a big nose. Uh jeez. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, the the police officer comes in there, and uh, what's what happens? He, now I know he and Jesse Jesse pulls a gun on him. Yeah, so he he goes in the back room, and Jesse like sees him, and he's about to explore where he's at. So he just pulls a gun out, and then the the guy's like, uh, he's like, call your partner in here, and then the guy's like, Lieutenant, Lieutenant, I need you back here. And then, uh, much to our surprise, the Lieutenant immediately pulls out his gun, which seems kind of ridiculous at first. Well, when he said, call your partner back here, I thought to myself, that's a mistake to give him, to give him that, that power because like he could say any kind of, I don't know if police actually have code words for when they're being taken hostage or whatever, but I would imagine maybe they do. And you know, like I I thought to myself, yeah, I imagine partners might know something's off. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, what like I, I, thought, I didn't figure it out. What I th- not at first anyway. What I thought was is oh maybe that guy's not a lieutenant. Maybe he's like a yeah. That's my thought too. I thought he like kind of knew something was up by the way he acted. Yeah. But yeah. So the lieutenant goes back there and there's a. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You got this. I mean, I'll take it if you want. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said go ahead. You oh no, I, it, it broke up for a second. Oh, um. Okay. So the lieutenant goes back there, and uh, you know there's a little standoff, and they subdue Jesse. And the when when they start tying his legs up with like wire or something like that, he goes, "Wait, where's the handcuffs?" And he kind of we kind of realize at the same time he does that these are. Uh... Yeah, as soon as they start tying him up with with wire, I I looked at my wife and I was like, "They're not cops." <laughs> I'm like, "Why would they be doing that? They're not cops." And that another way that you know that Vince Gilligan uh, writes things so well it's like very satisfying but yeah it turns out that you know as jesse figures out they just went and bought these uh these fbi or whatever they were police jackets at a store and uh and they you know it's funny too because when you think about stuff that happens earlier in the scene they give you enough clues i suppose because the the nosy neighbor keeps talking about 
oh yeah, you know, I told the guys yesterday and it's like, like, like he keeps talking about the cops that came here yesterday. So it's like, if you think back on it, it's like, well, why are they there? Because the cops have already been here, you know, kind of thing. Um, but Jesse figures his way out of the, the situation. Uh, in somebody said in one of the reviews that I was reading that this is a very Walter White esque thing. I don't agree. I think this is a very Jesse type thing. I think this kind of echoes back. Yeah, he kind of. Fig- no, go ahead. Yeah, he kind of just figures out. He's like, wait, you can't shoot me. They're, they'll catch you, you know, before you even leave the building, you know. Yeah. And plus, some of the stuff they said was kind of bullshit too. They said there's like twelve cops downstairs. Just why yeah. would there be that many just around this building for like you know a dead? Yeah. Exactly. And, and, but like I said, like I was saying, I think this echoes back to when, uh, he, you know, the one guy stole his money when he was all drugged out and shit like that at the party. And the guy had stolen his bag of money and Mike, uh, blindfolded him, tied him up and, you know, gave the bag back to him. And he was like, you know, yeah, we're going to kill his or whatever. And Jesse's like, what do you want me to freak out? Or so he's like, I know you're not going to kill him because you blindfolded him. So, you know, if, if you were going to kill him, you wouldn't even bother with the blindfold kind of thing. And then he just like walks away. And so it shows like, even when he's like high out of his mind, he's still, he's still clever. So like you said, he, and that's why this is totally him to me. So like he figures out, you can't shoot me because there, you know, then you got to kill that, that nosy neighbor. Then you got to kill everyone in the apartments. Uh, you know, all this shit. He's like, I'm taking my half of the money. And then the guy like gives up basically and says, okay, three ways. So you can take a third. And, uh, I thought to myself, I was like, well, that's, that's a decent deal. You know, take a third of the money and then, uh, and then leave. So he does, uh, he grabs a third of the money and then he, uh, you know, they both get out of there. Um, and he sees Jesse sees the car. Then he, yeah, go ahead. You tell yeah, yeah, he he tries to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does see the car, and it kind of like gives him a flashback to something that never really existed previously. No. Um, oh yeah, he. Uh, I think you're. I think you're not there, but but you'll be back in a second. Uh, but yeah. Oh no, no, I am here. I, okay. I'm. I, it just keeps kind of like, like cutting, and I like it cuts off the front of your words. So I don't oh, know. Okay. Maybe we have to redo this one. Let's. Nah, we'll be fine. Maybe not, but yeah. So like, uh, we see uh, he cut. We see this like scene of like this guy who uh, from this welding company who like basically helped construct like the cage that Jesse was in, and also the chain he was attached. Yep. And he's just kind of sitting there, like while the Nazis are like, you know, he bets the guy fifty dollars that he didn't put enough like you know uh, metal on there to restrain Jesse that, you know, if Jesse can break through, he's going to, you know, pay him 50 bucks and then he'll put more secure metal. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and yeah, so as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, Jesse needs to get revenge. Right. But I guess no, because that's, that's a very Walter white thing. And that's what I was thinking is like, you know, he's going to need to get revenge. But then I was like, well, that is a Walter White thing. So he, I mean, he does kind of get revenge, but not really. He doesn't go there for revenge. This this highlights a lot of the ways he's not like Walter White, honestly. Um, but yeah, so he he sees that, and then he he goes to the he you could we could see he's been looking in the phone book for 
uh, vacuum cleaner repair shops because he doesn't remember which one it is. Uh, but then... Yeah, he, so he, he kind of drives around looking for the... Because he remembers there was a red minivan. That, exactly. And he finds the And one, so he does find the shop, and then uh, I believe it is the same name. I, I mean, it must be. I can't imagine they changed it. Yeah, you know, it's the same name. But then he's, he, like, goes up to the counter. Yeah, so he goes and, in. And he's like, uh, I don't remember the words. <laughs> like, he said... Yeah, it was, like, a special, sense. like, vacuum... Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think it actually like it's like Hoover Max something or something like that. I, I don't think it was that. I think it was like an actual not model or something. I I remember it, it was I need a filter for, and then it was some right, vacuum right. cleaner. Yeah, he walks in there and like there's like this old lady that you know uh, Ed is very patiently talking to about like fixing her vacuum and like he goes oh no I don't want you to bring it in yourself I don't want you to hurt yourself have your niece or someone you know help you lift it and stuff. And so when, he, uh, when she leaves, uh, Jesse just goes and flips the uh, sign to close and you know, locks the door. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, he's like, hey, uh, I, you shouldn't do that. I, I am open for business. And he, he like, he, he tries to do the thing and he's like, I know you're the guy. He's like, and he's like, I saw the, the car. I know it's you. He puts all the money on the, the counter and he's like, here it is, 125000 you know, you, uh, you know, I, I need to get away, all this crap. And then the guy finally does reveal himself, and he says, you know, you owe me for that first pickup, the one that's... And that's the thing is, like, if you were, if you recall, Saul says, you don't get a second chance with this guy. Um, so... Yeah, but he probably, he's also been following the news. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely been established. But he's like, you know, you owe me for that first time. So Jesse, you know, tries to come up with the rest of the money. He, he puts all the money out on on there, and then the money that Badger and Skinny Pete gave him, and he's eighteen hundred dollars short. And the guy's not going to do it. Yeah, he's definitely a stickler. Obviously, outside of this exception, he's giving Jesse, but he's also nice enough to give him all the money back and say, you know, come back when. You, and Jesse's like, no, I'm going to do it now. You're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then so he just picks up the phone and calls nine one one. Yep. He calls the police and, and Jesse in another classic Jesse moment, Jesse's like, you know, you're bluffing and you, you wouldn't call the police. You've got as much to lose as I do and all this stuff. And then the police just show up behind him. And he makes good. He's like, yeah, they wouldn't just let you hang up. It's actually kind of like a movie thing, you know, where he's like, oh, they didn't give the address because, you know, it's a TV show or a movie or whatever it is. But he's like, oh, you didn't do this. And they usually have you wait in the line. And then, like, he just looks outside and, like, in the quickest response time of all time, mm-hmm. the cruiser's just already out there. Yeah, my wife actually, she because she deals with nine one one sometimes. She uh, she said to me, she's like, she's like Jesse. She's like first, she's first of all, she's like Jesse, you're such an idiot. Like he's not bluffing. And then she goes, no, they don't make you do that. She's like, it depends on how busy they are. She's like, a lot of times they're they're happy to get you off the phone, um, depending on where you are. I mean, I don't know exactly what Albuquerque is like as far as uh, crime and what you know how how overburdened. Or underburdened. Well, they've had a bit of a crime wave recently. Yeah, that's true. So I'm sure they, I'm sure they, uh, you know, they, they, they were happy to get him off the line, uh, especially for something that wasn't, you know, a super emergency or anything like that. Yeah. So he shows up. Jesse uh, runs away, and uh, Ed, to his credit, describes him as a very tall, thin man, <laughs> which is not Jesse, but it might be. Eh, I would say it can't be Badger, but yeah. No, it just some like he said with a with a, a bug tattoo or an insect tattoo over his eye. I think over his left eye or something like that. Yeah. 
So, and he, t- he tells him the, the opposite direction that he went in. So, you know, I mean, he, he is, he is still also kind of being nice. He's, he's a complex character. But yeah, like I don't understand. Like much like Gus, I don't understand why he still like operates his vacuum store all day. Yeah, I know it's so weird. But anyway, so like it, it's funny. A lot of the characters on this show, like with the exception of Gus, I would say, seem like they just like were regular people who couldn't make a living doing their legit job. Like the guy who sells guns to Walt, like <laughs> yeah. he just like he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. I can't really, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, so uh, Jesse decides, and see, this is the only part that really doesn't ring that true with me. Jesse decides to uh, go to this guy who, like, you know, had him at gunpoint, like, a, you know, twenty four mm-hmm. less than twenty four hours ago, mm-hmm. and get the money back from him. Yeah, this is a very Walter White thing to do. This is not. This is not necessarily a Jesse thing to do. This is more of a a Walter White thing to do. Yeah, I, I honestly, this is the part I really didn't buy for, you know, the, the whole movie. It's just kind of like, eh, but I mean, what, but at the same time, I mean, you know, they have to have some kind of dramatic tension. I mean, you know, having the police called on you is probably going to be a disappointment to most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes, he goes to his parents' house first cause he needs a gun and he, he, you know, tells them that, Oh, I'm, can you pick me up at this park? I'm going to turn myself in like you asked me to do on TV. Cause he saw them on TV saying, you know, is there anything you want to say to your son? Turn yourself in. Not, we love you or anything like that. Just turn yourself in. Yeah. And to add a uh, insult to that, when he goes into a, uh, to the gun safe, he finds out that the uh, password is no longer his birthday. It's his uh, little brother's birthday. Yeah. So when he gets and to their credit, they don't show the little brother because he'd be like 10 years older than he was when we last saw him. Yeah, exactly. But they get, so they get, he gets two guns. Uh, what gun? So one's a 38, right? The other one's some kind of 22? The one was a 22. The other one, I could be wrong. I'd have to look. Th- this, that's a, I'm almost positive that's a very odd model of gun. It's like a Smith & Wesson number three, a gun that shoots like this really weird caliber 44 Russian. Oh, okay. But they have like, a, they're like a break open action. It looks very odd. That's why I think it's that. I'd have to verify that. But yeah, it's. It's definitely not. It's a, at least a thirty-eight. It might even be a forty-four, like not Magnum, but forty-four Russian. It's mm-hmm. it's a very strange gun, that's for sure. Okay, but anyway, so yeah, he gets he gets those, and then goes down to uh, this candy's place, uh, the welding place, to get his money, basically. And he has to wait though because we get another cameo. I don't I don't know if you recognize this guy or not. I recognized him. But the bodyguard for the strippers that these guys called in because they've, they've got a bunch of new money is uh, one of the guys from Better Call Saul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the when uh, when Mike he's like this big giant guy. Yeah, when Mike gets the job to to sh- sh- chauffeur around uh, the guy that's selling the prescription drugs on the street, uh, he's one of the three that shows up and. After Mike beats the shit out of the one guy and takes his gun, he like offers the gun to the big guy, and the big guy just stares at him for a second and just turns and runs away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so he's the he's the guard for the strippers. They come in. We don't really see them strip or, or anything like that. I believe there's. I'm trying to think. I think there's another Easter eggy type thing here. Oh yeah, he's. He's sitting there waiting, and a little beetle's crawling on the ground. He lets it crawl on his hand, uh, much like he did in the episode. I think it's a season two episode. I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's the one where he needs to get the money from the meth heads that held up 
uh, his boy, uh, Skinny Pete, uh, the one where they, they've got the little boy in there and everything. It's, it's yeah. a very upsetting episode. But the beginning kind of shows with him, you know, with that bug and everything, it shows how he, like, he cares about life and, and things like that. It's like, you know, sort of mirrors how he cares about the little boy and he wants to do right by him and, and all this stuff. Uh, and so it's it's the same. It's just kind of like a callback to that, like reminding us that he he cares about uh, the sanctity of life, which, I mean, you know, it's a little undercut by the next scene. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I said, like you said, and, and I agree with you, this is the, the one section that I didn't really buy that much. But he comes in and he does a very Jesse-like thing. And he says, hey, I need $1,800, $1,800 and I'm gone. You'll never have to see me again. And the guy even points out, he's like, why not 2000? Like a round number. He's like 1800 is all I need. Uh, just 1800 bucks. Yeah. And then uh, the one, uh, the one burglar reveals to the other that he actually gave him a third of their money, which he didn't know because it was just pack, It was like a fridge pack full of money. He had no idea to account for how much was there. Right. Exactly. So he gets pissed, and the other guy starts posturing, and then the, the guy uh, notices that Jesse has a gun, and he goes, oh, what kind of gun is that? And he Jesse pulls it out, and he kind of laughs. He goes, that's a twenty two. which, uh, for those who don't really know much about guns, you can probably take a couple shots from a twenty two and be okay, depending on where you're shot. Yeah. Like, they're not super big guns. They, they're squirrel-killing guns is what they are. You know, they're mm-hmm. for plinking cans and shooting balloons and stuff like that. They're not a serious self-defense. Yeah, exactly. So he suggests... A shootout like in the old west. Winner gets the Yeah, and this guy has a uh, forty five on a sip, which is a much more, you know, adequate self defense. Yeah, so they stand off like they're going to, you know, like like a shootout, like an actual western shootout. And Jesse uh, you know, pulls the neat trick of which I think everyone I don't know if everyone saw it coming, but it's it's the whole time he's got his left hand in his pocket, and you know he's hovering. Yeah, I think his character is. I think his character is left-handed too, which uh, mm-hmm. is a nice another nice touch because shooting an offhanded is very difficult. Yeah, exactly. So he, you know, he's, he he does, you know, he takes the posture, and then when the guy goes to draw, you know, he's he's already got it basically pointed at him uh, from his pocket, so he shoots him, kills him. And then uh, the other guy, you know, goes to grab a gun, the other burglar guy, and he kills him. And then the other guys, the guys that are just there for fun and strippers and coke, they're all doing a bunch of coke, writing episodes of uh, Small Wonder. He, um... Right. Yeah, yeah he threads them, uh, and he basically has them send him his, give them his license, saying he'll come and murder them if they uh, leave any word. Yeah, exactly. So he, um... You know, he takes the rest of the money and then he blows up the the place. I think this is Which, also, I think it's also another yeah. like catharsis type thing because it's the place that like helped help imprison him. I guess that also seemed very unnecessary to me, but what can you do? I mean, it doesn't seem like if you're in a hurry, you know, you're gonna stop and rig up a, a welding torch to blow up all these other you know propane tanks, but yeah. What- it's another Walter White esque thing. I, I thought, and I thought the same thing when it was. Oh explaining. yeah, for. I was like, that's a yeah. Very- so he goes back to Ed, and uh, Ed uh, takes him in his uh, U-Haul with a secret compartment all the way up to Alaska. Yep. And then on the way there, like Jesse uh, has like a, a flashback with Jane. I mm-hmm. uh, you know they're driving in the car, and she's like the least changed looking person from. I mean, Jesse basically looks the same too. Yeah. But uh, what's her name? Um, 
Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Kristen yeah. Ritter. Jits. There you go. Kristen Ritter looks basically the same. Yeah. Um. So they're talking about like you know he's kind of reminiscing on that. Um. There's a scene that you know I was glad to see, but I mean it wasn't like a big scene. It was him and Walter at a like at a uh, restaurant, which is kind of funny because they probably it was a fr- actually from an episode where they say as soon as we're done we're gonna get a shower and a, a nice hot meal. Mm-hmm. So they they're at a hotel with like you know rooms next to each other. So they did just that and they're just talking about like you know. Kind of like, you know, Jesse promises that he'll make sure his kids and family get all his money. And then Walter tells Jesse, he goes, you know, you're lucky. You did something big when you were young. I had to wait, like, my whole life to do it. Yeah. And that's, like, a kind of nice, you know, reminiscent kind of scene. Uh, we also forgot to mention Mike is at the beginning. It's, oh, like, yeah. you know, nice on the, on the nice quiet river where he was killed later. Um, he's telling Jesse that he would go to Alaska if he had to do all over. Yeah. Or, you know, if he had to, like leave his life right now because Jesse's young and that's like the last frontier out there and, you know, cash and Jesse's temperament will probably do pretty well in Alaska. Yeah. And, and it, Mike looks pretty much the same too. Walter, you know, White's uh, Mr. Brian Cranston there has got a, a pretty obvious bald cap on, which is slightly distracting, but it doesn't, it doesn't take me out of it. Uh, the two things that I liked about that scene with Walter White are one we see the beginnings of Walter White basically saying, you know, like he views, it's sad. He views this life that he built for the last 50 years with a wife and, and a child, you know, having family and, and things like that and people who love him and everything. He views that as a waste or as a failure. And now that he's, you know, a big shot or like not quite yet, but he's now that he's having success in the drug trade, he views that as something great. It's it's weird, but it fits his character, and it's clear that you know this this loss of of the what's it called the the Schwartz uh, company, um, you know the black and white gray gray matter. That's what it's called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the loss of that you know has haunted him basically his entire life, and he he never felt important or, or anything. And I mean, that's like his big motivator, obviously, but he's also telling Jesse, Hey, you know, maybe you should do something with your life. You know, you're, you're young. And, yeah. He suggests he become like a businessman or something like that. He, he does put out that Jesse has a talent for marketing. Mm-hmm. And Mike also at the beginning says, Hey, maybe do something with your life, get some freedom and stuff like that. And then Jane uh, also says the same thing where he's talking about that philosophy that she said, the universe putting you in places and stuff. And she's like, yeah, that's bullshit. She's like, that's what I've done my entire life. You need to take your own, you know, you, you need to take charge of your own life basically. So essentially she is also saying to him, uh, Hey, why don't you go do something with your life? Um, so everyone's saying that. And like you said, th- those flashbacks, they, they all go together really well to, to kind of give that message. And the last scene of him driving in Alaska, it's a very, it's a very satisfying contrast, compare and contrast to the last scene uh, of him in Breaking Bad, where he's all disheveled and dirty and screaming and everything as he gets, as he gets out driving in the car and now and in the desert and it's at night. Now it's the day it's in the snow. He's clean and calm in one of the most comfortable looking turtlenecks I've ever seen on camera. Uh, just, just driving. In yeah. That's a like a nice, uh, another, another thing, uh, 
the uh, director likes to do, whose name I forget uh, at the moment, uh, Vince McGilligan. Mm-hmm. He likes to use colors to like express emotions and stuff. And yeah. in Breaking Bad, that's like a Walter White esque, like you know, when he's calm and peaceful before he's Heisenberg kind of sweater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, like, you absolutely. know, something that'll just kind of sh- shows you that things are gonna be okay for Jesse from now on. Yep. And I'd like to, I'd like to see a spinoff too, where it's basically like a sitcom of him, uh, him in Alaska, uh, starting a, a, a wife and, and family. Uh, that's the starting other. a wife. <laughs> Sorry, starting a family with a wife, uh, like Northern Exposure, but he's not a doctor. Wouldn't it be great if they just ruined it at the very end? And like he like goes like a sawmill and a Dexter's there, <laughs> and they just look at each other and go, "Whoa!" <laughs> he's there. He's there to hunt down Dexter. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean that's a. I mean that's like a, a the complete opposite of endings for series, like the one of the best against one of the worst. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Two two pretty good shows. I mean, Dexter. I like Dexter a lot. Dexter, not only the last episode, but you know, several of the last episodes, the last season. The last, yeah, last seasons. few seasons, yeah. it was very, very hit or miss. Like there were complete seasons of Dexter that were just not good. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, oh, I'm done. But then like the next season's like, oh, look, it's Jonathan Lithgow and he's great in this. It's like, okay, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know that. that but uh, I like Dexter for the most part. Uh, the highs were really high. Like the highs, the highs of the show were really good, but the lows were were really low. Which is, yeah, you know. Breaking Bad obviously wasn't that. Breaking Bad was, you know, pretty much very consistently good. Yeah, consistently good with some some very high highs in there, but no real yeah, and lows. This, and this episode is a good complement to it. It's like you said, it's not necessary, but it's it doesn't detract anything from it either, which is mm-hmm. the greater fear with this sort of project. So I mean, it's a nice compliment. You could just, you, I'm sure someone will edit this into the proper, you know, chronological order and add to other episodes that have the complete timeline in the proper order. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's a nice episode. I like it. I mean, that's really what it is. It's just a very long episode that you don't need, but it's like an epilogue. You know, it's something that kind of shows you what happens. You know, but it's. Uh, not a full season. It's just like a nice kind of ending that wraps Jesse's story up as well. Yeah, I was pleased with it. I recommend it. If if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, you'll you'll probably like it. Don't go in expecting the greatest movie you've ever seen or anything like that. But it's uh, you know, it, it meets the standards. It, it won't disappoint you. No, not at all. It's it's definitely it's definitely a tribute to the fans. There's a lot of fan service in there. Some of our favorite characters, mm-hmm. like Mike. I love that character. You know, he's in there. Obviously, Walter is. Everyone's favorite. We see, uh, you know, Joe show up. Uh, Robert Forster, as as usual, is amazing in this. He's, uh, you know, he'll be missed. He's very, he was very old at this point, eighty two, I think. Yeah. So I mean, still, I mean, still a great actor. You know, he's just like the perfect. It's almost like a Gilligan type with like you know Mike. They're like the nice, calm, cool professional. Yeah. Like Gus, you know, I always felt that the show is about like an amateur just fucking things up because if if Walter's not there for the most part. The, the the drug trade just runs smoothly. Eventually, Gus will get his revenge without you know having to like you know be killed like immediately afterwards. You know it's it's all runs perfect without Walter White fucking things up. Yeah, you're absolutely right too. Without without Walter White, everyone makes so much money and everyone's life is so good. Yeah, and they're not at war, so there's not like these random killings, and you know, there's no need to kill Brock's uh, mom and all that stuff. Yep. I mean, that's all Walter. He he's the one who brought these neo Nazis into this. Exactly, and Jane would still be alive and not addicted to heroin. I don't know about Jane. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, her. I mean, if she had never met Jesse, if Jesse didn't have the money to rent that place, I guess. 
But um, I mean, Jesse's a pretty resourceful guy. I mean, he really is a you know quite entrepreneurial. He probably would have been able to get a nice place like that eventually. But I don't know. Did he cause her to get back on heroin? Or it was her idea. So yeah, who really true. knows? That's true. She probably would have relapsed either way. But uh, and maybe she's like crystal. She's like crystal meth. Try this out. I mean, all Walter. <laughs> If Walter wasn't there, I guess he kind of did knock her off him. But, I mean, who's to say that, you know, if she was so fragile that's like, touching someone knocks her off of him? I mean, that was going to happen one one way or the other. Oh, for sure. If you do heroin long enough, you're you're not getting out of that alive. I mean, let me, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, so, again, a good episode. It was, it was nice, you know, to see. I don't think it's something I need to rewatch. But, I mean, it's not by any means at all a bad a bad you know movie slash episode it's mm-hmm. it's worth the watch especially if you're a breaking bad fan you know better call Saul fan it's for the completest you, you probably should watch it i was i was happy that this was on netflix i would i i think my feelings on it would have been a little bit harsher if i had to go to the movie theater and pay for it and, and all that stuff not that i would have been like you know, this is terrible or, or anything like that. I Obviously, I, I wouldn't have felt that way. But I would have thought to myself, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, why why did I pay for this? You know what I mean? Like, I would have, just because of the it's an unnecessary thing, I would have. Yeah, like, and it's a TV show you're used to watching, you know, not in the theater for every, you know, episode or whatever. Yeah. And I think, uh, like you said, I think I think being able to see it in your home, I think, you know, having it be on Netflix where it's essentially free. I mean, I know we all pay a, uh, a subscription for it, but, you know, you're not paying anything extra for it. I, I think that was the way to go with it for sure. If it had come to the theaters, I, I think it might have been a, a bit of a different thing. But, yeah, I I enjoyed it, and, and I, think, uh, I think anyone out there, there will. Uh, but that is our episode for tonight. Uh, I don't know. Why don't you tell some friends about us being here? Uh, you know, you can you can check us out on uh, tomorrow and listen to dumpster diving. Oh, and I I guess I realized uh, now. <laughs> we did some callbacks to some stuff that has that you guys haven't heard yet. So uh, when you- yeah, we recorded uh, weird over this time. Also, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't uh, wish my wife a happy anniversary today. Oh, we're recording on the 15th. Happy, happy anniversary, guys. Thank you. Thank you. That was one of the best weddings that I ever went to was your guys' wedding. Yeah, everyone seemed to have fun. It was a very fun wedding. And I, I helped. I did some helping. You did help. Yep, you were a groomsman. You helped. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, great. Oh, happy anniversary, guys. And uh, I don't know. Wish Mike a happy anniversary on Twitter or something. Uh, <laughs> and I'll say, that was days ago, you piece of shit. Right. Uh, let's see. So, I'm trying to think. Yeah, we'll have another episode before your birthday. Uh, just, um, just barely. Recorded, recording, yes. Yeah, just just barely we'll have an episode. Be, we'll be recording an episode the day before your birthday, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And then... And then we record, if we're recording on Tuesday, then we record the next week is my actual birthday. Uh, but anyway, so we'll be wishing Mike a happy birthday next next week, which I remember last year wishing you a happy birthday on uh, on one of our earlier episodes, which means we, we've definitely been, it's been more than a year that we've been doing this thing. Uh, it's been a good year. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. All right, well, we will see you uh, next time. Uh, bye, everybody. See you later.